It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bull fans, how you doing? Are you well? You good? I'm glad you are. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here on this little podcast known as CHGO Balls. Thank you for uh, coming and hanging out. I'm Mark K at MK Hoops, joined as always by my buddy, my good pal, William Gottlieb at Will underscore Gottlieb on Twitter. We're also supported by our good man at the back, the one, the only, Joey Spathis. CHGO Balls here. Wrapping up, William, just a fantastic, enthralling, Amazing preseason campaign. I can't wait to talk more about it. But before we do, we've got to talk some news, William, because there was a few uh, few new Bulls tidbits that we need to get to, eh? Friday news dump. <laughs> let's get to it. That's all I've got to say on the matter. Fair enough. And let's get to the biggest, Lance, just absolutely earth-shaking move. Carlick Jones, William, waived by the Bulls. Who saw this Did coming? The G League MVP, the disrespect. Um, who would have saw this coming? Anybody who was looking at the cap sheet and saw that the Bulls were <laughs> like six hundred thousand dollars above the tax line, so they yeah. waive Carleek's uh, contract. He was guaranteed. He had an initial guarantee date on his deal uh, for opening night, and it, that was two hundred fifty k. So the Bulls waive him, uh, clearing that space, and then obviously. The rest of his uh, minimum deal, I think it was like $1.9 million, gets wiped off the books. So they are clean of that contract. They're clean of that roster spot. They now have 14 under roster, um, and they have made themselves a $600,000 buffer before the almighty tax line. Um, I am a little surprised just because like he did win MVP of the G League last year with the system. Like, you know, he's he's an older player. I think he's 26, but mm. clearly a big part of their program. And, and it was nice to see them um, give him a contract at the end of last season that I think he that he earned. So um, he's a really good guy. I imagine he'll be back with the Windy City team this year unless another NBA roster spot becomes available to him. But uh, am I surprised by this? No, I did. I did think this kind of roster change or something similar was coming before the start of the season because that's when a lot of these guys money gets fully guaranteed yeah this is not a surprise what will be surprised 
is if for whatever reason the Bulls actually fill this roster spot for the reasons we've already talked about. They're now under the tax line. Filling that roster spot would put them back over the tax line. Maybe they do it towards the back end of the season when contract numbers are pro-rated and maybe they can slide back under or can sign a guy but slides remain under the tax line. We'll see. But uh, yeah, not surprising, but sad. It's sad because, uh, you know, not that Carlick had done a lot of things for the Bulls uh, in, the, in the NBA, but the you know what he was doing in July and August for the South Sudan, like that was cool. And I liked seeing him have that moment where he was legitimately awesome in, in the um, you know the basketball world championship. So I was kind of hoping he would make it or stay on the roster just for his sake and to you know have one extra season with the big boy team. But as you said, it's not a it's not a surprise. Another thing that's not a surprise, William is uh, the scuttlebutt surrounding this ball club. It will be continuing into this season. And uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, blowing it up, all this sort of stuff. You thought that stuff was hot last season that we couldn't endlessly talk about that anymore. Well, folks, I'll tell you what, we're going to be banging that. We have a surprise for you. (laughs) Yeah. Boy, are we going to be talking about this one. And uh, I guess this is news, but... Let's touch on it. Brian Windhorst had a uh, a quote on a recent podcast, I believe, talking about DeMar DeRozan, any possible extensions, those sorts of things. William, maybe I'll throw it to you to uh, actually read the quote itself, but also to to share your thoughts on it. But um, yeah, this won't be the last we hear about it, I don't think. I don't think it will be either. Uh, just the quote from uh, one of the aggregators. I didn't actually hear this on the podcast today. But he said, one guy to keep an eye on for everybody, the whole league this year, is DeMar DeRozan. If he doesn't expend with the Bulls, I think he becomes a trade target as the season goes along. And look, DeMar, expiring contract, $28 million. Um, Is it a surprise to hear a guy who is a very good player, whose team is not projected to be a championship contender, uh, being marketable on the on the on the trade block at some point this year? No, I don't think it's that much of a surprise. I would be far more surprised if they actually traded him. I think that would be the real surprise here. But um, I guess the question is like, I don't really see a world where this does happen because there's just so much um, like friction going the other way where one, I just think the Bulls are not interested in selling probably no matter how bad things get this year. They were like five games below at the deadline last year. They didn't do anything. They were missing Lonzo Ball at the deadline before that and didn't do anything to try to recover some help there. They didn't do anything last summer. They didn't do anything really this summer. Like I just don't think they're really in the business of blowing it up right now. And so unless somebody comes along with like multiple draft picks and a young player and cap relief, I just don't really see them moving to Mar. But the way that I do see something like this potentially happening is DeMar sees the writing on the wall. He sees Patrick Williams get a big contract extension. He knows Jerry Reinsdorf's not going in the tax for a 39-win team. And he says, all right, well, I don't want to play here anymore if I'm not going to get paid and we're going to be a loser, a losing team. So what I want to do is I want to go play for the Lakers or the Clippers, two teams that are above the cap right now, mm-hmm. who, if they want me, would have to trade for me because they can't sign me outright in free agency next year. So it'd be beneficial to them to get my bird rights 
to where they can go above the cap to sign me. I can go play for a team that I want and go help them win this year. And the Bulls obviously can get something in exchange. I don't know what the market for DeMar will look like in terms of returning assets. I can't imagine that it's going to be that lucrative, but that's kind of the way I could see this happening. And I still don't think it's very likely. I mean, it would really be a result of DeMar wanting out. Yep, completely agree. It'll be a combination of DeMar wanting out and this team not achieving what it needs to achieve and things going south after the first 25, 30-odd games. And maybe they change course at that point. But William, there's a reason why I think D'Angelo Russell's Russell's number contract number was structured in a certain way. He is prime trade bait from a Lakers point of view. They have other contracts to make this money work. The Lakers, DeMar stuff is not going to go away. It's going to continue, particularly if there is no extension. Let's see if the extension happens or not. But if it doesn't, you're going to be hearing a lot of DeMar for D'Angelo Russell type talk, um, maybe a pick in there or not. But that's my bold prediction that something like that will happen. Not that it's very bold, given that, <laughs> that this is the, you know conversations that have occurred for the last however many months and years type, type thing. So... Uh, I guess the point being, Bulls fans, if you're listening, we're not saying we want that to happen, but just you know, prepare yourselves for that. Similarly, on that on that uh, bandwidth. Well, 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 hang on, hang on a second before we get to the next one. Just you mentioned okay. the D'Angelo thing, and I'm hoping you can expand on that a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking at the numbers right now, and I'm not saying I disagree, but 17 yep. million this year, 18 million dollar player option next year. Um, obviously, Demar's making 28. D'Angelo was recently signed, so he can't be traded until effectively the deadline, yeah. um, probably a little mm-hmm. bit sooner in theory. But mm-hmm. obviously the Lakers would have to get $10 million more coming back to the Bulls in a deal like that. Yeah. Uh, they only have one pick that they can trade, uh, I believe. Actually, no, they they I think they may have two tradable. Mm-hmm. Um, no, one tradable pick because they traded 27 last year at the deadline to get off of Russ. So they can either trade uh, 29 or 30, but not both. Um, So obviously, you know, the Bulls would want something back. D'Angelo's contract is what it is, but there would be a little bit more that needs to come back in terms of matching salary. So uh, just can you go a little bit more into detail about why you think that's a potential match made in heaven? Well, I mean, Tamari in LA is a match made in heaven more generally, whether it's with the Clippers or Lakers, but D'Angelo Russell, as I said, doesn't seem like he's long for Los Angeles just based on the fact that he signed a two-year, $36 million deal. Uh, that number for this season, $17.3 million, helps you know, boost up the, the matching salary component. So it wouldn't just be DeMar for, for Lonzo, be, uh, sorry, <laughs> DeMar for, De, uh, for D'Angelo because the money won't work. But as I said, the, the Lakers signed some decent mid-level guys or guys that have, you know, okay-ish number contracts, let's say, let, let's say, like Rui Hachimura, as an example, or Gabe Vincent. Like, that's how you make that money work. So it potentially would be a two-for-one deal. Maybe the Bulls send someone else in, and, and it's a two-for-two type swap, and maybe you do get a future first. Maybe it'll be have some protections on it, but I think something like that will be in the works. That'll be yeah, a conversation that, that, that the Lakers will be having. So, yeah, that's why I'm expecting this conversation to continue. Again, not that I'm saying that I want DeMar Trader for D'Angelo Russell because I'm not sure if there's a player that I would enjoy watching less than D'Angelo Russell. But if you're wanting to talk yourself into, you know, getting 
or pivoting to a younger type team. Point guard the, of the future, you know, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, Kobe was the point guard of the future now, apparently. But the point being, like, he's not on big money. He can make the money work. If you want to include someone like Vincent or Rui or whomever you have to do to make the money work in order to maybe potentially get a pick back for DeMar, then there's ways for this to happen. So whether it's with the Lakers and now or the other Bulls spots, have 14 under roster, so maybe they can take two for one. Exactly. So, yeah, there's ways for this to happen. I'm not suggesting I want it to happen again or that it will happen. Obviously, it's contingent on the extension talks, but the point being, Bulls fans, brace yourself for this nonsense to continue. And with that in mind, the nonsense will continue because, of course, Zach Levine's name was in the uh, in the news somewhat, William. And I say news in air quotes because, look, I don't know how much... Uh, how much airtime I want to give Sam Amico. Sorry, Sam out there, but um, he's suggesting that if the Bulls start off slow or hover around 500 at the at the February trade deadline, a uh, trade deadline, that Zach could also be a potential trade candidate. Which is, wow, that's news. That's really emerging news that we definitely haven't heard before. But again, I guess you know, as an extension to the Demar thing, it's it's all connected. So it, it does make some semblance of sense. I guess. I feel like. You know, Wendy's always saying, like, don't aggregate me. Please don't aggregate me. This is just like a please aggregate me kind of <laughs> nugget in an article. Um, I agree. It's just it, it, it's like it's first of all, it's not news because everybody's been talking about it for a long time. Secondly, it's just one of those things that it's there was like a per sources in there. So maybe there's like a scout in the league that like thinks the Bulls might look to move guys, which is obvious that people would think that. Uh, they're an underachieving team with good players. Of course, they might consider trading them if they were a normal team that wanted to pick a direction out of the middle. Um, Again, I don't think this is happening. I really enjoyed the way Zach approached this. Um, I can't remember who he said this to in, in which interview, but he basically said like, look, when I signed here, I committed for five years. So this trade smoke is not coming from my camp. I signed up. I'm sticking around. If they want to trade me, that's what happens. But like, I I just, I like the fact that he, you know, that he wants to be here. I think that's, um, and is not like trying to make a big fuss out of it. So I I like that from Zach. I, again, I think this would have to be a situation where things are going really poorly and the Bulls just get like bailed out with like a Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert type of return um, and or, Zach demands a trade. And I don't really see either of those things happening. Um, and again, this all comes back to this idea that I just don't think the Bulls are willing to blow it up. They might look to retool. They might have they may be forced into it if they get, you know, uh, a life vest, you know, flung out to them. Um I just don't see it though. I just don't think they have the appetite and I think they're going to try to be, I think they're going to be a build from the middle team as long as they can get away with it. Yeah, let's see. I still think there's a a chance to, you know, for something fundamental to shift at the deadline. I do think that's in play, but, you know, we'll see obviously. And whilst, whilst I completely agree with you that Zach has been the good, the good soldier from saying all the right things, doing all the right things. It's, it's pretty clear that the Bulls are shopping this dude for whatever reason. They don't seem as wedded as they should be to Zach Levine. His name continuously pops up in rumors, whether it was at last deadline, all offseason. Um, like that's why I was being facetious around this Sam Amico tweet or personal so it's nonsense because it's like okay cool yeah we we kind of already inherently know this because it's literally been a thing for the last six to 12 months so 
yeah, it's more of the same in that regard, but we'll see, obviously. But William, probably burying the lead. And again, this isn't really news, but it was a talking point made on the Zach Lowe podcast literally today. And Bulls Twitter got a hold of it. Hold of it. it became a, more of a talking point, And it's obviously going to be a talking point over the next couple of days as we get towards the extension deadline for guys concluding or starting rather their, their fourth year, uh, or, you know, concluding their rookie deals, let's say. But Patrick Williams, any potential extensions, those sorts of things, the number he wants versus the number the Bulls wants. Zach Lowe dropped some... I don't know if it was news as such, maybe some murmurings as to what he's maybe hearing, but um, it's a large number that Patrick potentially wants. And if it's a large number that Patrick wants, then, oh boy, if you thought that Pat Williams Discord is bad now, just you wait, friends. Just you wait. Yeah, so there. first of all, there was like a little, I think... I don't know what the right word would be. Just there was like uh, the the initial aggregation tweet, I think made it sound a little bit more daunting than it actually was. So the initial tweet said that he's going to be looking for a contract that starts with a two. And we're not talking about just two zero. I think a lot of people took that to mean he wants a $200 million contract. And under the new uh, five-year rookie max extension, you can make that much. I think uh, Halliburton, Bain, Anthony Edwards all got a little bit above 200 million. So I I think that was like the initial, okay, Patrick who averages 10 points a game wants $200 million. He wants the same contract as Anthony Edwards. Like what? Come on. Um, But so then I went and I found it in the, in the low post. And what he said was like, he's looking for a deal that starts, starts with a two and is not two zero, meaning is not $20 million. He wants more than $20 million annually, as opposed to he wants $200 million on his contract. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot more palatable. Um, I don't know. We, we can have a discussion about like what we actually think his market value is, but just in terms of the um, the initial response, I think a lot of people took that to mean he wanted $200 million. And obviously that's not going to happen from the bulls or from anyone. Um but so then you you have to start to think about, okay, well, what is $20 million or even $25 million? What does that look like as a percentage of the cap? Because that's really what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, the cap rises every year, the new TV deal, it's going to continue to go up. These numbers are going to continue to look even more dramatic. And, uh, you know, $25 million a year annually is like 17.5% of the cap. And that's equivalent to uh, a little less than $24 million of the cap this year. That's what Terry Rozier makes. That's less than what Tyler Hero and Jordan Poole make. And yes, those guys average more points per game, but there's a lot more that goes into being a quality basketball player than points per game. Um, and it's certainly not the reason why Patrick would get paid. He's also the kind of guy that you're paying for future production, not necessarily for what he has done in the past. So even independent of what number he gets, like I think you just have to cons- you have to consider what the cap is going to be. You have to consider this as a percentage of the cap as opposed to a raw sum of dollars. And you also have to think about it in terms of uh, development and future production as opposed to what he's done in the past. Because obviously, what he's done in the past, if you're paying him based on that, he's not even a mid-level guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree. You have to look at it as a percentage of the cap. But having said that, you still you still need to feel good or have some confidence that that number will be justified at some point. You would still like to have more production than what Patrick has shown to justify you know, a number north of 20 million, whether that's 22, 25, 28, whatever that number is. I'll 
I still wouldn't feel comfortable based on production. Now, depending on what you view Patrick and his potential to be, you can easily justify that number. I think Devin Vassell signing for you know almost five years, 150, certainly doesn't help in terms of the Bulls' negotiations. That is but that also affects that, that also affects go. the numbers here because you're allowed to yeah. sign rookies are now allowed to sign for five years without it being a max contract. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, you could be saying Pat will wants 200 million. Our expectations for P will should be 20 points per game and seven rebounds. He does not want $200 million. He wants probably $100 million. And still that sounds like a lot, but over five years compared to over four years, that number looks a lot different. So just pointing that out as well. Yeah, no, it's all fair. And like I said, depending on how you feel about Pat and, and his projections going forward, you can easily argue the case that five for 150 or five from 125, or whatever the number is, can be achievable, can be looking very good at the back end or could be looking very good as, as soon as next season. So there's arguments for for and against, but the point being, so long as Pat goes through these cycles where he looks really good one game and then sort of disappears the other game as we're sort of seeing in preseason, which we'll come to in the next segment talking about Pat. This is where the conversation is going to get ugly, I think, uh, depending on what side of the argument you stand on because the discourse is already bad. And when you start throwing around figures like, you know, 20 odd million a year or $150 million over five years based on what people have seen in terms of production and those sorts of things, which will always be where people's mindset goes and as, as no matter how many times you and I and William say think percentage of a, of a cap think percent percentage of a cap like people still need to adjust to this and I completely get why they need to adjust to it because these numbers are, are obscene and ridiculous but yeah it just sets up Patrick to be or for the conversation around Patrick to be really toxic now he can change yeah. that based on how he plays and the narrative can tr- change very quickly but assuming things continue as they've been continuing for the last three to four years, then that's when things get quite messy. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more. Uh, before before we do, though, we uh, we need to make some money ourselves. Not quite Patrick Williams' money, but um, we need to pay the bills. So, William, can you tell everyone about Soul Savvy? Soul Savvy has been around since 2018, and their mission has always been the same. It's to get sneakers into the hands of the people who love them the most. Soul Savvy is a sneaker community that operates in Canada, the US, and the UK, and they have three membership levels. There's Basic, which is free, Mobile Plus, which is $12, and Premium, which is $33. The Basic version is for the casual sneaker buyer, and you can gain access to their one-of-a-kind marketplace built for you, not the resellers. The Mobile Plus is for the sneakerhead who is always on the go. Build a rotation of sold-out sneakers straight from your phone. Premium is for the sneakerhead who is tired of paying resale. Find your grails and grow your collection in the world's biggest paid sneaker community. Sign up for Soul Savvy by visiting soulsavvy.com slash allcity or downloading drops by Soul Savvy app. Again, soulsavvy.com slash allcity or download the drops app by Soul Savvy. Do that. And friends, if you want to make some money, just like we're trying to make some money right now, like Patrick Williams, well, get over to DraftKings. Why would you not? Use promo code CHGO when you sign up. The NFL season, William, is going strong. The Bears aren't, but the NFL season is. And friends, if you want to get five bucks on, uh, if you want to bet five bucks on any game this week, you can score up to two hundred bucks instantly on bonus bets. So what a what an offer that is! Two hundred uh, million. Two hundred. Wow, that's Patrick. <laughs> that's Patrick Williams' money. 
that's Patrick Williams' money. Now, if you're um, if you're betting against the Bears, maybe you could turn two hundred dollars to two hundred million pretty quickly. But the point being, if you want to gamble responsibly, if you want to have fun when you're watching NFL, Major League Basketball, obviously basketball is getting back. If you want to put some tips on these games, then do it with DraftKings. Use promo code CHG when you do. And like I said, new customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL this season. Again, promo code CHGO with our friends over at DraftKings. But William, we, we were alluding to it. We've started talking about Patrick Williams. I want to continue talking about Patrick Williams because in so many ways, this preseason was all about Patrick and what he did do what he versus what he didn't do, how that's setting him up to what he will and won't do in this upcoming season. We, ch- we just touched on the contract thing because it was somewhat in the news based on the low podcast, but lo- low post podcast rather. But I guess what we want to talk about now is just the general discourse around Patrick because it is so toxic. And I know that's maybe ironic coming from me, a someone who's perceived as a Patrick Williams hater, which isn't true. You can't say anything about Patrick anymore without one side of the aisle coming after you. It's so, yeah, it's so toxic right now to the point where if you're just literally breaking down film and trying to say, okay, this is cool, but maybe Pat needs to do this, you're still going to get absolutely smashed by the people who think Pat is the second coming. But conversely, and we've got it in the comments here as well, like there are some people that are so far out on Patrick Williams where the bus label is starting to get thrown around, which again seems premature. So I don't know what to make of it all. I kind of even don't want to talk about this dude anymore because it's just so painful and <laughs> nothing really good will ever come from it. And it's so nuanced and there just seems to be so many takes flying around one way or another that we can never get to an agreeable position. But I don't know. You and I are going to try to do that now. We'll probably fail, but nonetheless, let's let's talk about Pat and the discourse surrounding him. Yeah, I. It's just like two weeks ago, less. I mean, two days ago, we were talking about Patrick Williams and why it was silly that all these fans were saying the Bulls need to trade Demar to give Patrick Williams the ball so that he can flourish, and like we were like, let's chill out, guys. Like the Bulls want to win games this year. That's probably not the best way to do it. He then goes out and scores 20 in a game against the Nuggets and then has a bad game two days later where he gets yanked early. And it was not great. He did not look good. He was not asserting himself. It was all the same stuff that Billy Donovan has been saying in these press conferences to try to challenge him. Uh, It was stuff that obviously Billy Donovan took him out of the game to personally challenge him. And it's stuff that fans and analysts and media and everybody in between has been wondering why Patrick hasn't been able to do all this stuff. Um, So he has one of these games and then everybody turns and he's a bust and, you know, the bulls wasted a fourth pick on him. Um, All this stuff that you're seeing in the comments right now. And I get it. It's frustrating. I understand. We have been saying, and I think right now the, what I have felt all along is becoming very clear, which is that, I think for the most part, we're in line with Pat. I think I have a little bit rosy over an outlook on him than you might. But for the most part, we are trying to be down the middle on it. And your point, I think you've really come with this stronger than me or anyone else has been, you got to do the role guy stuff and you got to do that at a high level, not even just an elite level, but you got to do it at a high level. 
That means screening hard. That means uh, attacking closeouts quickly and decisively. That means getting all the way to the basket and trying to draw fouls instead of pulling up at the elbow and shooting contested jumpers. That means running in transition. That means grabbing rebounds. It's like all this role player stuff that you've kind of put under the turbocharged Javante umbrella. And I mean, it could not be more accurate. This is the kind of stuff that I think would silence all the hate right now. Um, but it's also what you've been talking about for years now. And for some reason, I think the frustrating piece of it that people are now starting to realize is that he hasn't been doing that. And so I get that frustration. He like, there's, there's elements of his game that I think he does need to grow at. And you talk about wanting to put the ball in his hands more like those are areas where he needs reps in order to learn how to make those reads, right? Like if he's going to be running pick and roll, he hasn't had a lot of chances to do that. He's got to learn how the defense is playing him so that he can get better at that. But attacking closeouts and defending and making back cuts, that's all stuff that he has had a lot of reps at that he doesn't really have an excuse to not be doing at a higher level. So I get that. I don't really get why it flipped on him after one game. Um, But as I tweeted, like I think... I think as the narrative swings from one extreme to the other, you are going to start looking like you're an optimist. And I think, you know, we can have that conversation or not, but like, I just think people need to be a little bit more reasonable. Like it's not, he's Kawhi or he's a bust. Like he can do a lot of stuff better. There has been areas of his game that have been disappointing last night. I thought he played excellent. I thought if he can have that kind of impact on a game, Every night, obviously, you want him to shoot better than three for 12. But like, if that's the kind of impact he's having on the game, that's a great player that I'm very excited to be watching on a night to night basis. But he's got to do it consistently. There's, I mean, that's what it is. He's got to do it consistently. Um, Billy Donovan said this after the game. I wrote about it. Uh, he, he was over seven on threes. He was three of 12 from the field. And yet he, you felt his presence more than you, you have maybe at all this preseason. And that includes a game where he scored 20 points on 14 shots. So this is the kind of stuff that he has now proven he can do. Even when he's not shooting the ball well, he has a huge impact on the game defensively, rebounding, getting the free throw line, attacking the rim, dunking on people, drawing fouls. This is stuff that he has proven he can do. Now you got to do it every single night. It's not just show me once, it's do it every single night. Completely agree. And this is why I always push back to people who say who can't play with the starters or that someone is taking possessions away from him, therefore he can't develop, which I think is complete bullshit. He's guaranteed, well, maybe not guaranteed, but last season he was fourth on the team in minutes. He was playing 28 minutes a game. Like that in itself is opportunity. That in itself is more opportunity than so many young players just never really get in this league. But last game in preseason, like, yes, that's what I want to see. That's that's how you play with the starters. That's how you should attack the game every single time. He had like f- six rebounds, five rebounds, all of preseason, whatever the number was. It wasn't a, a number that was going to blow you away. In four preseason games, he didn't have enough rebounds. In the first half of that last final preseason game against a big team like the Timberwolves, he had five rebounds. It <laughs> tailed off in the second half, but he had... He was clearly attacking the glass. To your point, he was clearly attacking closeouts, closeouts and getting to the rim. He still needs to work on his handle. He still always goes left. He still only can take two or three dribbles, but he was doing that more. He was trying to get into the paint. And, and was he was going to... somewhere with those three dribbles. It wasn't like he was just yeah. floating. Yeah. So like yesterday's game was really, really positive. And the Patrick that you know exists, the Patrick that you know 
can be impactful for this team right now, can be impactful for that three-man unit of Damar, Zach, and Vooch. Like, you know it's in there. But the maddening thing about this, and you can have mi- mixed emotions on this thing. It, I swear, Bulls fans, it's possible to, to, to think multiple things at one time. But, like, you can be overjoyed with what you saw, but at the same time question, like, why the hell do you need Billy Donovan to put you on burn the way he did the previous game in order to foster this level of performance? Why do you need Kobe White in your grill the way he was prior to that Minnesota game, amping you up, hyping you up to get it together? Why do you need Tory Craig and DeMar DeRozan and all these vets to be on you to try to get this level of intensity out of you every single time? And that's my concern. And I don't think it's a positive or a good sign that he needs so many external forces to get this level of performance out. And that's the that's the annoying thing because we know this guy can play. It's not a conversation of maybe like the Dalen Terry one, let's say. Sorry, Dalen. But it's not a conversation of can this guy actually be a good and functional basketball player? Like we all know Pat has the skills. It's been very clear from day one that he can do it. The maddening thing is why why don't we see it more often? Now, part of why we don't see it more often is because he's a young, youngish guy still trying to find his way, still trying to make reads, still learning the game. I, I get all that. But at the same time, it should be better than what we've seen. So the, the, the problem that I have with it is each side of the argument has good and valid points. What ends up happening is the extremes get amplified and we are maybe prone and at fault to it because maybe we amplify the voices of you know, a small majority on either side, and maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should focus more on the reasonable takes, but I think that's why it gets frustrating. And like I said before around the whole extension thing, the money, the, Pat's already on good money. Being a number four overall pick guarantees that you're going to be on good money. So that's why to me, like people who say, don't worry about his draft selection, it, it's meaningless anymore. I always push back against that as well because it's it's not meaningless actually. Like he's getting paid decent money and he's being outplayed by guys on minimum deals so that does matter but whereby this thing is going to get a lot more toxic assuming pat is so hot and cold and remains so hot and cold is what we were talking about before when the money starts getting even realer so that's my concern i know patrick has the ability to to change this narrative and to to really you know reset how things are in both ways i'm hoping he can because like i said i'm sick of talking about oh man, he looked really good tonight. And then having to, to come back the next game and say, well, how, why did he only have two points and one rebound? It's like, why? I'm, I'm just sick of having those conversations. Just give me some consistency. Even if that consistency is just like 12 points, five rebounds. I don't care. Just if you can give me that every single night, I'll be happy. The team will be happy. This team will be so much better for it if he can do that. But it's on Pat in, in so many ways. Yeah, I, I want to emphasize a point that you made earlier which is that like there is space for him to be that kind of impactful player, even playing alongside Damar and Zach and Vooch. I think there's this kind of narrative that he needs to have the ball in his hands to be successful. But what he showed you last night was he can quickly jab step and then drive and cross over and finish around the rim against Rudy Gobert. He can get out in transition after grabbing a rebound and make a play. And look, you're going to have to live with mistakes. Like I said, he does not have reps running pick and roll. He does not have uh, a lot of reps, even making passes out of drives, uh, attacking closeouts, because he just doesn't do it. But I would take four turnovers and a bunch of missed threes from him every single night if we got that aggressive of a player, especially in the first half, the way that he played. 
Um, there's going to be growing pains. I think people are frustrated with the shooting numbers. They're frustrated with the turnovers. You have to be able to, in order to stretch your game out, you have to be willing to make mistakes. And I think that's part of the reason why we haven't seen much from Pat is frankly, I think my read on it, not what he said, but my read on it is that I think he's afraid to make mistakes playing next to those guys. I think there's a lot of pressure on him to be a high level, competent role player that doesn't mess up, that shoots a high percentage on threes. And in order to shoot a high percentage, you got to take the open ones. And that's kind of what he does. He shoots wide open threes. He does not take contested ones. Um, You know, I think he tries to not step on toes and tries to stay out of the way. And Kobe said something to this effect earlier on in the preseason. And I've said it a couple of times on the show, but he basically said like, I'm last year I was 22. I'm 23 now. Like I'm playing on a team with Alex Russo's won a championship. I'm playing on a team with, DeMar DeRozan, who's a six-time All-Star, and Zach Levine, who's a two-time All-Star. He's been in the league for 10 years. Vooch is a two-time All-Star. He's got a 14-year career. Like, what do they care what a 22-year-old kid who's never done anything, why do they care what he has to say? And I think Kobe has really come to understand that his communication is needed, his leadership is needed. I think that's really bled into his confidence. I think he looks a lot better because he's playing a lot more confidently. And I'm hoping that that's the kind of thing that we see from Patrick this year that, you know, a great game like this, even with the bad shooting numbers, and I'm willing to throw some of that out because he was over seven on threes. He's a 41% career three point shooter. I think you can, you know, safely say that that number will, you know, improve quite a bit. Um, but if he's, if he's going to be an impact player, he has to be confident in his game. He has to be confident in stretching it out without worrying about making mistakes I think that's on him for the vast majority of it, but it's also on the guys around him to not, you know, make, make it so that he, you know, they need to foster that environment for him as well. So yes, it's a problem that he can't do that for himself, but that's what it is. So you have to find solutions. You can't just like say he's never going to be anything because he's passive. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of room to grow. We've seen some of the things that we can, that he can do. We've seen what happens when it doesn't go well. We've seen what happens when he disappears. I'll take the mistakes 10 times out of 10. And I'm hoping that he kind of now realizes that that's going to have to be a part of his game because the Bulls need that from him. And if he wants his $200 million, he needs that from him too. So um, like I said, I loved what we saw from Patrick last night. There were mistakes. There's areas where he can watch the film and grow and understand when it's better to shoot, when it's better to drive, when it's better to pull up, when it's better to pass. Um, he still passed up a couple of threes. One stands out where he caught a, um, a sprout pass, didn't shoot it. The defender came to close out and then he put the ball on the ground and pulled a step back three. And it's like, didn't go in, not an easy shot. Uh, I just, I think those are the kind of reps that he needs to continue to get and feel confident in so that he can move forward because otherwise it's just this super toxic environment of he's a bust or yeah, but he can only play with the ball in his hand. So he's not a team player. And I just think you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting him up for failure. If those are the only two outcomes, I think what we all need to be prepared for is an outcome where he is a developing role player that has some creation upside. That's that would be fantastic. Um, But just this idea that he is Kawhi 2.0, that's not helping him. This idea that he is a complete draft bust and they should move on from him or cut him or whatever. That's not helpful either. So you just, there's, I know it's difficult because you want to be reactive to a great performance or a bad one, but 
there's a there's a middle ground here and i think we need to strike it yeah and look all i want is just be your fearless role guy that's all i'm asking for you that's all i've been asking for you for the last season at least but maybe the last two seasons that's all i want and to your point, like him maybe being tentative or not wanting to make mistakes, that's ultimately what's leading him to being tentative and, and making mis- mistakes. So it's a vicious cycle in that sense. But um, look, again, the theme of this podcast is there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to be talking about throughout this season, topics that we've been talking about that we'll maintain talking about as we go along, and this is one of them. So let's pause the part talk now because something's telling me that we're going to be talking a lot about it this season. But William, let's continue to pay some bills and this one is a good one our friends at goose island tell everyone about them yeah if you are as frustrated and tired of complaining about patrick as as some may be you might need to knock down a couple of frosty goose island beers because chgo is supported by goose island and it's chicago's beer since 1988 and they've got a fresh lineup of delicious brews that you can try out for this fall they've got oktoberfest They've got the Beer Hug Family, 312 Weedell, and the Full Pocket Pilsner. It's an everyday beer, and it's what the brewers are drinking. So you can grab an ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beer at the Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne and Lincoln Park, or from the Tap Room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's favorite beer. Mm-mm. I can't wait to have a beer tonight, but uh, if you happen to be a big Patrick Williams believer, like optimistic Bulls fan here in the comments. If you still believe in Patrick Williams, if you still believe in the Chicago Bulls, then rep it, friends, and do so by heading over to FOCO. And when you do, use promo code CHGO on all their non-presale items. You can get yourself fitted out with the best sports gear going around. If you want to get a Patrick Williams bobblehead or a Chicago Bulls hoodie or whatever it might be, if you want to get some shoes, signs, any merch that you want to support your ball club, whether it's the Bulls, those terrible bears, whatever other baseball teams exist in Chicago. If you want to support your Chicago sports franchises, then do so via FOCO. Friends, they help us by decking out our sets. You know, have you, You've seen the CHGO sets and how good they look with all that merch everywhere. Our friends at FOCO are so, uh, hooking us up with all that. So if you want to set up your living room, your study, your bedroom, whatever it might be, if you just want to rep your sports teams, then do so via FOCO. Like I said, Click the link in the description of this podcast or within this podcast. You'll get a link to all their non-presale items. And when you use promo code CHGO, friends, you will get 10% off. What a deal, William. What a deal. What a deal. Let's continue talking about the Bulls, the preseason, closing this thing out and reviewing that preseason campaign, which was in so many ways connected to the Pat thing, but... I mean, like like Pat, like there was one really good game and then there was one really bad game or there was moments of brilliance and then moments of, okay, what are we doing here? Like that was true for Pat, but it was kind of true for the team more generally as well. So I don't know how you feel post this preseason campaign where so much focus was on revamping the offense and changing who they wanted to be on offense. Obviously, they made it very clear that they wanted to shoot more threes, get into the paint get to the free throw line, effectively change who they were previously, making those holistic changes. Did they achieve that, William? Did they hit those goals? Is it too soon to be critical of them, assuming they didn't reach those goals? I don't think it's too soon to be critical because I don't think they reached those goals. So I guess first what I'll say is 
they were excellent offensive rebounding. That has been one of the primary focuses, and they did a fantastic job with that. Io was great. Drummond obviously is great, has always been great, will continue to be great. Um, Torrey Craig, I think, is that was a super underrated element of his game. I think that offensive rebounding and just winning possession battles has become a priority around the league where teams are trying to generate more possessions for themselves on the offensive glass. So to be fourth, uh, as they were in preseason, in offensive rebounding percentage, up from 20 last year to 33.7, I think the league numbers are going to go up. But if the Bulls can go up faster than the rest of the league, that's that's going to be huge. So I think they did a great job with that. Everything else, I was pretty disappointed. I think if you look at the process behind some of it, you could tell they were trying to run some stuff. Uh, the first quarter of the first game against the Bucks, they looked really good. They were taking threes. They were getting into sets with motion and movement. I thought if the Bulls could look like that, that would be exciting. That would be fun. And that would have a higher ceiling of basketball. But we saw that for one quarter in the first game, and then it was pretty much gone. And they definitely implemented some more motion and movement, but I just it didn't result in the the things that we wanted to see happen. So Joey, if uh, if you can, I uh, requested a graphic that has some of the major stats that I've been looking at from the preseason. So here you can see offensive rating, 105.6, 21st in the NBA. And before I go further, I should mention 34 teams, including a couple, there was an Israeli team, Real Madrid, and a couple of other teams uh, that played international games against other teams. So 34 teams as opposed to 30, but 21st in offensive rating, 22nd in defensive rating at 109.3, negative 3.7 net rating, which was 23rd. The offensive rebounding, which I mentioned was great, 33.7, fourth in the preseason. The free throw attempt rate, super disappointing, perhaps the most disappointing, uh, 18.7. That was 32nd in the league, so worse than some of these other non-NBA teams. And then to me, the, the most disappointing of all, the total percent of shots that came from deep, 34.5% of their shots were threes. That was 33rd out of 34 teams. They were 18th in points in the paint, and they were 27th in fast break points. Um, so it just, these are like the areas that they emphasized wanting to improve. They wanted to be faster. They wanted to shoot more threes. They wanted to have better spacing. They wanted to get into the paint. They wanted to offensive rebound. They did one of those things. And so I thought the process in some instances was good, but the result wasn't. And at the end of the day, this is a results-based game. It's a zero-sum game. The winner has more points than the loser, and that's how it goes. And they finished one and four in preseason. The Stars did not play every game. Zach only played three games. The minutes weren't quite there. Uh, some of these numbers are skewed by garbage time or the opponents not playing their star players. I get it. I understand all the caveats. To not shoot more threes... <laughs> Uh, 33rd in three-point attempt rate in the preseason. I mean, that's just, I just don't know how you can make that kind of comment about improving your three-point percentage, uh, percent of your shots from three, and then somehow get even worse at it than last year. It's just, I, I, I'm i I'm worried about that. I am truly worried about that. I thought it looked good in the first game. I am very skeptical that this is going to be uh, an area of improvement for this team next year. Yeah, look, I, I completely agree. I mean, I have been skeptical about the offense changing and their real scope to do that. I think I've voiced that pretty clear. And anyone who has listened to 
me bang on on this podcast would have heard that at some stage. But in spite of that, like not to sound like a complete contrarian here, but I don't know if this preseason campaign is the gauge for that or not. And, and the reason why I say that is for what you alluded to, like the sample size is so small, the lineups are all over the place. The emphasis from game to game, from lineup to lineup changes so much that these numbers can be all over the place. And part of my thesis, if we want to call it a thesis, is if you look at the preseason numbers from from last season, the Bulls were second in offensive rating. They were like 11th in offensive rebounding percentage last preseason, if I'm not mistaken. Now, obviously, as we know, the Bulls were not very good on offense last season in terms of an offensive rating point of view. They finished 24th. In terms of off- offensive rebounding percentage, despite being above average in pre- preseason, they were like 28th, 29th in offensive rebound percentage this season or whatever it was. They weren't a good offensive rebounding team by design, but their numbers in preseason didn't reflect who they were in the regular season. And I'm not suggesting that what we saw this preseason from a shooting standpoint, just because it didn't materialize in preseason, that it will happen in the regular season because I don't believe that to be true. But I just don't think... I'm leaning. I haven't come to that assessment based on what I've seen in preseason. I kind of had that already built in. And what what I mean by that, like against the Timberwolves, they really got up a lot of threes. Their three-point rate against the Timberwolves was really nice and strong. But was that a product of ball movement and decisiveness and those sorts of things? Yes, I think part of it was. But I think some of it was also just not having Zach, not having someone who, who can get downhill and the team sort of needed to rely on the three-point shot because that was one of they their also- ways of actually creating offense. Yeah, I mean, they're also playing against a team that had Rudy Gobert, so they're just they didn't get into the paint as much as they yeah. did the previous games. There was a lot of move the ball around the shell and take threes. Look, I think you're right that you, there's only so much you can take away from these. But to me, like if the Bulls were accomplishing the things that they wanted to accomplish, I'm not saying that like the offensive rating needed to be top ten. That yeah. that wouldn't that one doesn't really bother me. It's like where are my shots coming from? Am I getting to the yeah. rim? Am I generating spray out threes? Am I getting to the free throw line? Like stuff like that, I think should be even better um, if that's what the emphasis was. We also can see the defense was just like, you know, completely the bottom fell out compared to where it was last year. So um, these things are not like a guarantee of how we will see them next year. And Billy kind of talked about this last night where, you know, they, their defense was not where it was supposed to be. They want to emphasize a lot of stuff on defense, but they can't forget about, or they want to emphasize a lot of new stuff on offense, but they can't forget about the defense. I understand all this, and certainly I'm not going to like give up on this team right now. Um, I think you're going to have to wait 20, 25 games to really kind of get a sense of statistically what this team is into the regular season. But I think the early returns are not great. You would have wanted to see a lot more threes. You would have wanted to see a lot more free throws, uh, I thought the offensive rebounding is an example of like, this was the thing that they wanted to emphasize and they went out and did it. And I think they could have done that with three point shooting or free throw attempts. Um, certainly Damar not playing a lot of minutes, Zach only playing three of these games, that's going to hurt your free throw attempt rate. Uh, that's not lost on me, but I just think if they're going to emphasize a lot of these things, especially for a team that again, has not changed the personnel, like there has to be some stylistic changes that generate those kind of looks. And I just, I didn't see enough of that. I saw some of it and hopefully it's better in real minutes, but I don't feel like I saw enough of it to feel really confident that that's going to be something that really changes in the regular season. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, I guess where maybe I differ a little bit is I've kind of made my peace with it. And my thinking around it is like, I've, like I said, I just don't think they can revamp who they fundamentally are. I think that's ingrained in someone in, in, in so many different aspects. But when we talk about basketball and who you are naturally as a basketball to deviate away from that, not only is it, does it take time to deviate from that, but I, I just don't think there's really scope to materially change who you are as a ball player. So that's why I kind of not expecting things to change. And maybe that's why I'm okay with things. No, not okay, but like I'm, I'm not that concerned about it, I suppose. But I, I completely agree with your, with your point. And if you are hopeful or if you want to see material change, do you walk away from this preseason campaign feeling confident that they can do it? Maybe in spurts, but do you think they can fundamentally shift yourself, uh, shift themselves based on what you've seen in preseason? I can understand why people don't feel great about it. Uh, but look, it is what it is. We'll find out. Like, like for the, example, the first... do you feel like the, I, one of the talking points was like playing through Vooch and having him be the fulcrum? Yeah, didn't happen. Did Did you see that at all? No. No. Yeah. Uh, look, so like it happened, but did it materially happen to justify the way they were talking about it, or like? the way they made it sound like it was going to be a fundamental shift. No, I didn't see that change at all. Yeah. And I, I agree. Um, they all said this even after games where they played well. So I don't think it's lip service that this is going to be a work in progress. This is going to be something that takes time. And I agree with that. I'm not like expecting them to totally revolutionize the way that they play. I would be surprised if that did happen, but my point is <laughs> I don't feel like I saw it and that's my that's my initial reaction to it. So again, uh, not super enthused by what we saw. Um, wasn't necessarily expecting to see big changes, but I don't feel like I did. So that's that's the observation. No, I think that's all good and fair. Well, look, we've got some good comments in on, with uh, people following us here on YouTube. Clearly, some diehards, William. If you're uh, getting uh, or if you're tuning in and following us on along with us on a Friday evening. I can only assume the people in the YouTube are diehards supporting us here at CHGO. But William, for those people listening who don't happen to be diehards, how can they do so? Well, you can do so by first hitting that thumbs up button on our YouTube channel, liking this video, just like Mark's showing you. And then you can subscribe to our YouTube channel because we just hit 40K and that's amazing. Oh. And we want to keep growing and we yeah, appreciate all of your support and all of you who follow us. But if you're interested in becoming a diehard, a true member of our team, you can go to your keyboard and type in allchgo.com and you can click on the CHGO diehard tab and that's where you'll find all the details. There's merch, there's post-game shows, premium written content for CHGO diehard members exclusively, and you can get 20% off on all events free merch when you join you get a little card that has the chgo logo on it. it's very cool you can join the members only discord and like i said you get discounts to our events we've been hosting bears tailgates even though the bears are no good it's fun to come hang out and drink and eat in the mornings before a game on sunday they've got a couple more tailgates coming up with x golf giving away 200 gift certificates to any of their chicago land locations so you can sign up for all of that and more as a CHGO diehard member and very exciting news coming in the process. As we speak, we are revamping our website. It is currently under maintenance. You, I don't know if you can even check it out right now, but on Saturday morning, by the time you're listening to this, probably hopefully 
it will be all set brand spanking new very excited about it and we will have some very exciting bulls content of course coming your way all season if you join as a cheo diehard member Oh, allchgo.com. What a great, great website. Some have said, William, that it is the best website on the internet. And uh, I certainly welcome that opinion. Others have also said that sunnyside.shop equally as good as allchgo.com. So friends, if you want to, you know, once you're on that keyboard, plugging away, typing in allchgo.com, you've done your thing, you've signed up to be a diehard, which we appreciate. Thank yourself after that by jumping onto sunnyside.shop where you can get your hands on the best, best judgment-free cannabis shopping that you can possibly have. It's a place where all kinds of visitors, no matter who you are, are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality cannabis products. So whether you're just starting out on your cannabis journey, whether you've been elevating yourself for years now, doesn't matter. You can head to Sunnyside Dud Shop, and they will hook you up with the absolute best cannabis-based products going around. There are so many different options, friends. I'm not going to list them all out because I will be here, geez, for the next 12 hours, to be honest with you. But I, I don't have that enough time, and I want you to spend that time jumping on sunnyside.shop using promo code CHGO25 at checkout. And when you do, you will get 25% off your first order. doesn't matter whether you're a new customer, whether you've been shopping there uh, for however long. doesn't matter. One use per customer. Just use that promo code CHGO25. Of course, you must be older than 21 or an Illinois Med card holder, but they're the only caveats. That's it. CHGO25, sunnyside.shop. Get 25% off your your uh, your order. Not stackable with other promotions, but like I said, friends, you'll love it. William, we've only got a couple minutes left. Let's close this show with just some final preseason takeaways. Anything else that you wanted to hit on? I know there was a few people in the comments asking us what our, what we thought about guys like Julian Phillips and Honorap Bittim. Any thoughts on those guys or anyone else that you wanted to raise that we haven't discussed already? I want to take a few minutes to address uh, Straight Smoke's comment here. Vooch is a power forward. Uh, mark your take. <laughs> I have not seen this comment, but is that... A, is that uh, I'm assuming this person is hopefully being facetious in the way and mocking the people that think Patrick Williams is a small forward. That's that's my hope what that comment means. Because he's obviously not a power forward, so I'm assuming straight smoke is being funny, hopefully. I'm hoping so. Day. I'm hoping so. But yeah, I mean, uh, Julian Phillips really impressed me last night. He had, I tweeted this out, he had a three where he caught a reversal pass and just it was one of the quickest releases I can remember seeing of like anybody not just like Julian Phillips improving his shot. And it went in. I thought he looked really good. He had some moments athletically that just popped where he's dunking on people or he's blocking shots. Uh, I don't think he's going to be like in the rotation. Um, Certainly not right away and maybe at all this year, depending on health. But there's a foundation there of a 6'8 guy who can defend at a high level. And if he can shoot like that for real, I would be... Very excited about that kind of player. Um, he's kind of that same type that AK has been drafting since they've been here with the long, athletic, raw, toolsy guys that need a lot of uh, refinement. But, I mean, he looks like he's really polished up his jump shot um, even just since this summer. So I was, I was impressed by him. Io, I think, had a really solid preseason as well. Um, continues to defend at a high level. He looks more confident as a ball handler. Uh, loved the way he was attacking the offensive glass. Um, 
yeah, I just I think those guys kind of stood out in terms of young players who made an impact. Yeah, look, we only saw Julian Phillips in you know bits and pieces. When we did did see him, it was against second and third units, so it's not really meaningful basketball. But I'm prepared to say that I was wrong about Julian Phillips. I was questioning the jump shot at the draft. I was questioning why the Bulls would, you know, sell to future first to get into the draft to take someone who, you know, had a nice athletic profile, but, you know, his shooting numbers weren't great at college. I'm prepared to say I was wrong about that. And I feel confident about that, even if he has played so little games, because when he did play, you could just see a path where this dude will be or how he can fit next to a whole range of different, you know, rotations. We talk about Pat having to find a way to fit next to star players and that he can do it. We've seen him do it. I kind of have none of those questions with Julian Phillips because you can see straight away the trajectory for him to be like the perfect 3 and D guy. Now, obviously, he has a ways to go. He needs to prove a lot. I'm not expecting him to be in the rotation at all. And talking about storylines that I expect to be happening, like the Zach DeMar, Pat stuff that we talked about at the top, whereby people were banging on the drum uh, last season where they wanted to see Dalen and, and they were upset that Billy wasn't playing Dalen. I don't think we're going to hear that Dalen thing anymore, but we're certainly going to hear it about Julian Phillips, people wondering why Julian's not playing. So I'm not expecting him to be in the rotation, but I do think now, maybe unlike what I did think at the time of the draft, that, okay, this guy might actually be good. This might actually be a draft pick that may materialize. Now, again, it's very early. He needs to change. He needs to develop more clearly. Like I said, he's the, what he did in the minutes that he played against rotations that don't really matter, it kind of is not really meaningful. But to your point, like the things that he could control, the way he was uh, moving around on the court, his body, like we talked about last time, he's just a massive human. The fact that he's got that sort of athleticism with his jump shot looking so compact, tight, and quick and smooth like that corner three that he hit. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm confident in this dude. And, and surprisingly, like, that might have been my prevailing takeaway from preseason. Like beyond Kobe, who even me being someone who had maintained that Kobe probably should come off the bench, I still, you know, I still somewhat believe that that should be the case, not because of Kobe, but because of the balance of the team. And we'll talk about the starters in a sec as we close out. But Kobe was fantastic in preseason, probably the Bulls' best player to the point where even I, someone who came into preseason thinking Kobe should come off the bench for the betterment of the team. He played so well in preseason where even someone like me who wants to see him or who'd wanted to see him come off the bench can sit here and say, okay, this guy completely earned the role of starting point guard. He completely deserves it. And, you know, he should be the starting point guard come opening night. So congrats to Kobe for doing so. He, he was that good. And, you know, if you're going to play that way, you deserve to be the uh, opening, just the starting point guard on opening night. So I guess that was my prevailing takeaway through preseason. This was Kobe's preseason campaign. Much like we were lamenting the Patrick Williams stuff, I had no questions about Kobe White, which was um, actually comforting, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm glad we're hitting on this right before we get out of here because I feel like he's just been so good so consistently that it hasn't. it's kind of stopped being a storyline. But, I mean, he yeah. was just... He was outstanding. I think he clearly won the point guard job, the starting point guard job. Um, and I think more than anything, it's the ability to get downhill and make decisions. I don't see Io and I don't see Javon doing that at the same level that Kobe did. And I think that's enough to earn him the role. You're going to have questions about 
the balance of some of these other rotations. Like, can you really play Javon Carter and Caruso and Craig and Io together? I probably don't think so. Uh, there will have to be some more staggering. Probably won't see that as much even with Zach back. But um, yeah, I mean, just Kobe's ability to like add another dynamic threat to the offense, I think really changes things. And he hasn't like really hurt you defensively either. So we'll see how that progresses against, you know, the Steph Curry's of the world, the Damian Lillard's. It's going to be difficult on some nights, but I just, I really like the confidence he's playing with his ability to get into the paint and make stuff happen is exactly what this team needs. And so, yeah, I was skeptical. I thought, you know, Javon should be the starter to kind of balance things out with the three point shooting, the defense. I, I'm now pretty firmly in the Kobe should be the starting point guard uh, camp just because of the way that he adds an element. And I don't think it's going to be like a every game necessarily thing, like maybe against um, Milwaukee or Boston or whoever, like they, they do need to mix things up a little bit. Um, But I just, I really like what we saw from Kobe. Um, Yeah. I think the only other person to, to hit on here is Dalen and he obviously struggled. He, um, I think just kind of like it was the same stuff that we saw in summer league where he just doesn't have the burst, the wiggle, the like skill to be able to create offense. And I think he's going to transition. He is an effective rebounder. He gets out, he defends and all that stuff's useful. But if he can't be, if he can't even be like a neutral on offense, it's just going to be hard to get minutes. Yeah. He's, he's not going to play. Uh, uh, yeah, it's sad to say. It sucks because he's a good dude, but he's just his game isn't where it needs to be. And I, you know, coming off the back of what we talked about with Julian Phillips, I I feel more confident in Julian Phillips right now than I do Dalen, which it is what it is. Uh, but you know, there's still time for him to turn it around. But for him to turn it around, there really needs to be an uptick in his skill development, and maybe that comes throughout the season if he gets some more reps with the G League or whatever it might be. But he's just not close to being part of the rotation which you know that's the the best thing for the team so it is what it is and we'll see how it shakes out well i'm not prepared to give on him give up on him just yet but it's not trending in the direction that you'd like it to if you were dalen or a dalen fan or whatever it might be but yeah i don't think we're going to see much of him again i think like i said before bulls fans are going to be clamoring much more for julian Phillips than they will dalen terry but Let's see. Let's see. Look, we're running long, so I've got lots of thought about Billy and his rotations. I won't get to them today, but uh, I'll just allude to the fact that I didn't like it, which is maybe something that people won't or would be surprised to hear, given that um, I am the eternal Billy optimist and Billy's number one fan, given you know I would be that naturally, uh, you know, I feel like he's my father of sorts, my maybe not my paternal father, but like you know my the father I wish I had maybe. <laughs> But I just didn't love the rotations, William. But I'll save that maybe for next week. But ah, preseason, it's done. The real stuff. Wednesday, OKC. That's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be an interesting test for this Bulls team who have, over the last couple of seasons, struggled against the young upstart OKC Thunder who look very, very dangerous if I'm not... like I feel completely different about the OKC Thunder after watching their preseason campaign versus Chicago. But... Doesn't really matter. Preseason basketball doesn't matter. The real stuff starts Wednesday, William. And uh, it's at the UC, yeah? It is. William will be there, of course. Matt, Dave, William, they're back on Monday, friends, to get you started 
for the week to get you ha- uh, amped up for the upcoming bull season. Obviously, as we said before, if you want to support us here at CHGO, become a diehard. We'll be uh, tracking everything Chicago Bulls related all season. The best coverage in town with William at games and Matt and Dave supporting you all week on podcasts. Me chiming in here, you know, occasionally being a douchebag. If you want to support us here on CHGO, we, like I said, be a diehard. Jump on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. Follow his stuff. Follow the follow us on Twitter as well at CHGO underscore Bulls. I'm at MK Hoops yelling about Patrick Williams and then getting yelled at by people about Patrick Williams. Joey Spathis on on track for 2K at Joey Spathis on Twitter. Come on, come follow us. Why would you not, friends? Why would you not? But this has been a fun, good episode. Preseason is done. The real basketball starts, and I can't wait, Williams. So thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate your support. Bulls basketball is back, friends. Speak to you next time. Like the mayor, 